Hello, everyone. This is John Otterset from the Skrillet Nation podcast. I'm here with Bobby Barrett today. I can't believe how much is going on in the world of Rutgers basketball. Football is almost an afterthought, which is crazy to think about. But, Bobby, let's talk a little bit about this Rutgers basketball team sitting at a 13-5 and record, AP top 25, number 23 in that poll, number 14 in the Ken Palm, number 16 in the net, winner of seven of the last eight games, including Sunday's overtime victory over Ohio State, which was 68-64. Talk to me a little bit about this team. Do you feel the top 25 ranking is warranted, and what does it mean to the program? Yeah, I, I do, and and you know it probably could have you know maybe been in there earlier. I know I know it's uh, how it fluctuates with with teams rising and falling. So I definitely think it's warranted. And you know I remember saying to you before the season, I think this team has a chance to be better than the last two teams we saw. Um, now the team has to stay healthy, which you know wasn't always a, a, a you know there for them. They had some injuries early, but they overcame it. Thirteen and five, and they're playing really good basketball. I mean Ohio State is 10 and 7 and I don't know how with the talent they have on that team. I think they have to re-examine their coaching, but they have some really good players and they played a really good game last night and it was just like a heavyweight fight. Really impressed with the way Rutgers won it. And um, you know, I, I do think the top 25 is warranted. And I think they could climb even higher. That's a that's a big thing to think about them climbing even higher. I know going into that game, somebody on the message board said that every time Rutgers has been in this situation in the past where they need one more win to sneak into the top 25, they always seem to lose that one. And I didn't, I was hoping that that person didn't put the jinx on the team, but I was definitely thinking the same thing, especially down the stretch there. But Rutgers pulled out the big one, and uh, they also pulled out a big recruiting win, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, looking at the crystal ball here, looking at this upcoming schedule, I want to talk about that first. Um, the next three games, they have Michigan State, Penn State, which is home, and then another away game at Iowa. So Michigan State's away, Penn State's home, and then um, away at Iowa. Ken Palm website, for those of you who aren't on it, it's a unbelievable website just filled with the most unusual and interesting stats you can imagine. And um, they, have some, they also give you predictions on who's going to win which game, and they're picking Rutgers to lose by one point to Michigan State and Iowa and win by one over Penn State, so go one and two in the next two games. Um, but on the plus side, they're pick, picking Rutgers to finish with over 20 wins on a, in the regular season at 21 and 10, 13 and 7 in the league. Uh, Bobby, looking into your crystal ball, we know you like to do that. Uh, do you agree with Ken Palm's prediction for 21 wins and 10 losses, and how far can this team go? I can see that. I can see that. You know, some of these games are, are going to be real tight right down to the wire like we've seen. Um, this stretch right here I thought was going to be a tough stretch with these four games, Ohio State, Michigan State, um, Iowa, and, or Penn State and Iowa. Um, you know, I, I had predicted they would split those those games, and, and I, no shame in splitting them because the Michigan State's a tough place to play. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough game on Thursday night. Uh, Iowa's tough. Uh, they always play Rutgers well. It seems like, you know, it's just always a bad matchup for Rutgers. Penn State's playing really well, too. So, I mean, two and two in that stretch will be will be good. I mean, if you can win three out of four, that's that's, it's, it's um, you know, if I'm talking about if you know the Ohio State you count that one in that four game okay, stretch, gotcha, gotcha. And um, you know, if you split those games, it's it's good. If you win three out of four, I mean, that's really good because these are teams that you don't match up well with, and Rutgers traditionally doesn't match up that well with Ohio State. And you know, it was like a heavyweight fight, and they they slugged it out and won it. And, and, um, you know, when they get these guys cooking and believing and playing defense, uh, you know, anything's possible. 
But, you know, I will say, looking down the line at those those late games, I think they're going to have to get more bench production because you saw, you know, Paul Mulcahy and and Caleb McConnell playing 40-plus minutes last night. If you play 40 minutes close to it every game, by the end of the season, you're going to wear down a little bit, especially the way Caleb plays, running through screens all night. He told me after the game, you know, I was beat up. He said, you know, it was just, you know, taking hit after hit after hit, fighting through those. So I think they're going to need some help from that bench and, and, and give these guys, you know, some, some minutes to rest because if you keep playing that high-intensity defense, that physical brand of basketball all throughout the season in so many minutes, your body's going to wear down. You mentioned the bench. Who do you see coming off that bench perhaps a little bit more over the next few games? I think you have to turn to Andre Hyatt, and I think you also have to turn to Derek Simpson. Um, you know, Simpson's figuring things out. It seems like he gets in and – He'll make a good play, a bad play. You know, he's still a true freshman, but it, it, sometimes it seems like he's uncertain of his role in there. You know, he came in as a scorer, but he loved to shoot, but now he's trying to buckle down more on D. So it's kind of a developmental year, but they might need him a little more down the stretch, especially if Mulcahy's shoulder acts up, which which is always a possibility. And, um, you know, Hyatt can play a bunch of different roles in there, but uh, as you saw, Mag playing so well, it limited Hyatt to just 18 minutes against Ohio State. But they're going to need Hyatt to come in and play some defense, get some rebounds, and, and hit some of those threes that he's been hitting this year as well. Yeah, I think for Simpson, it's definitely just a matter of him getting his sea legs on him and just get some experience. Because one thing I loved about him when he was in high school is that his stat line was inconsistent, but inconsistent in a good way. When his team needed him to score, he'd score 25 points. Other games, there was another player on the team who uh, really scored, was really good on the offensive side of the floor. He'd get... Uh, a bunch of uh, assists, you know, let that guy score that game. Other games, he'd get a bunch of uh, steals. It was just like it was whatever, every time you look at a box score, he was doing something different, just showed what he can do across an entire season and, you know, the kind of multidimensional player that he is. Yeah, if he could bring that to the table, it'll be a big plus. It'll get, you know, Mulcahy some minutes and not have to play the whole game. He can switch some lineups and do some tinkering. I think it'll be big if you can extend that bench a little. Now, um, Rutgers, yeah, a lot of Rutgers fans thought it was going to be difficult to replace Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker. And, in fact, if this was – I even said it on the message board a few times, like, Peichel had earned a down year. If this was going to be the year that they weren't going to go to the NCAA tournament, like, heck, the guy made two NCAA tournaments, would have made a third in that COVID year. Um, he's entitled to a rebuilding year. How did this year not turn out to be a rebuilding year? Well, I think it's a different dynamic with this team. Uh, sometimes you caught the team watching Baker and Harper try to do everything on their own last year. Um, you know, they were it was their team. They were the nucleus of the team. But, you know, there were games where Harper would, would, you know, shoot lights out. And then there were other games he was cold and he didn't score. So what happens then? And, you know, Geo Baker has had better years than he did uh, last year. So I don't know if, if you know, that team, that team had kind of, you know, peaked – and I think this is just a different nucleus. It's just a different team, different dynamic. These guys are really well-connected. They play really well together. Um, and with the emergence of Spencer, I mean, this team has the potential to go beyond what Rutgers did the past two years. Um, I know people talk about replacing Baker and Harper, who built that, but it's just a different dynamic and it's a different team. So um, you take the reliance off those two guys out of it and the guys are sharing the ball more and, you know, you saw Mawap Mag hit the game winner, uh, you know, against Ohio State and, and sink two free throws. And, and I don't know if he would have had that opportunity last year with Harper and Baker monopolizing the ball. 
I was going to just ask you who your surprise of the season is thus far, but I'm going to assume it's Cam Spencer. Is that this case? It has to be. I mean, he's just really played well, and I think better than expected. One of the biggest questions was, you know, this guy averaged 17.9 points per game, led the Patriot League in scoring, but he played Loyola Maryland, and, I mean, who did they really play? They weren't playing Michigan. They weren't playing Michigan State. You know, they so for him to step up and – and do what he's done. He's not just a good – I mean, he, he's their best offensive player. And, uh, you know, he's so crafty at finding spaces and, and getting shots off. And, I mean, he's just getting better. I mean, if you watch that Miami game, they neutralized him. It looked like he didn't belong on that court. And you're thinking, oh, well, maybe maybe this bump up in competition is a little too much. But he settled, got his feet under him, and, and just kept progressing. Just a really smart, efficient, and, and, and dedicated basketball player. He told me after – um, the Ohio State win that, you know, he missed the two foul shots. He's probably going to go out and shoot later because he missed two. You know, he only missed one all year. So um, the guy's relentless worker in that regard, and, and Rutgers really, really hit big with, with him out of the transfer portal. Yeah, let's take a look at his stats for those who might not be as familiar. He's number five in the country in steals. He has 57 steals already, and I just love the way he gets those steals, often just positioning himself in the right spot and kind of thinking one step ahead from – you know where the where the ball is going to be a, a moment later, and I don't know. It's, it's a thing of beauty. He's number twenty in steal percentage, and I wasn't familiar with that stat, so I looked it up. That's the percentage of possessions that he records a steal while on the court. I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, Caleb McConnell is number fifty-one in the country in that same stat. So you got number fifty-one and number twenty both on the same court at the same time, which is incredible. He's is that a Ken Tom stat? Of course. <laughs> I had to follow the Ken Palm website Yep. Um, he's number nine in free throw percentage nationally at 93.6. He's number 42 in three-point percentage. And uh, he's number 33. You mentioned how he's you know so strong on the offensive end of the court, and this speaks to that. This is another uh, thing I got off the Ken Palm site. He's number 33 in offensive rating, which according to Ken Palm is, quote, a measure of personal offensive efficiency developed by Dean Oliver. The formula is very complicated, but accurate. So they don't explain how they got it. But basically, if you're number 33 in the nation, you're doing something right on the offensive end of the floor, and he certainly is. There you go. Another Ken Palm statistic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anybody else standing out for you this year that you'd like to mention? I mean, what bag you just see his evolution. Um, you know, there was a play, I think, it really typified how far he's come is, is you know, against Ohio State, he stole he stole a ball or, or he got a pass in transition. I don't remember if he made this deal, but he got it in transition and he was dribbling down a the court. There was two Ohio State guys, and he slowed it down and pulled it up. In the past, Mag would have went to the basket and put up some crazy shot. Um, he played with a lot more poise, a lot more confidence, <clears throat> a lot more, uh, you know, kind of wherewithal about him. Um, and, you know, just the way he, he's shooting the ball, he's shooting it with so much more confidence. He's playing under control. His defense is fantastic. Um, if you look at the end of the Northwestern game, he got in a foul trouble, and Andre Hyatt was in for him, and Andre Hyatt couldn't get through some screens. and it, it led to problems, and that was one of the reasons Northwestern was able to close the gap and make that a nail-biter at the end. So Mag is very valuable on defense, but you see him on offense. You know, he hit a big pull-up jumper last night when he was – you know, if you're listening to this in the morning against Ohio State, uh, he hit one where he was, you know, he was open, but he, he took his time. You saw the poise in him, and, and you just see a lot more poise and confidence and growth as a player. And uh, Rutgers really needed him to step up, and he has. So you're saying he's finally living up to all the what 
talk. Like Coach <laughs> Pico would always say when we go to practice, and I think you know, Pico believed in him. I guess long before we were seeing it on the court, but obviously he's really living up to that recently. And, you know, he had a disjointed first couple of seasons. He had some injuries. He had issues with, you know, he had a tooth knockdown. He had some issues there where he had to get oral surgery, and then he had an ankle issue. And you're also playing behind Ron Harper, um, you know, who monopolizes a lot of minutes, and there's not a lot of time to get out there. I think when guys get some, some extended playing time, they get more comfortable because they're not trying to do too much. They're, they're, they're letting the game come to them. Uh, they know that they're going to have more opportunities, so they're not trying to force things. And um, he's really, really answered the call. And I'm interested to see how he plays now moving forward because he's had that big game. He's kind of elevated himself. And how does he respond to that? Does it continue? You know what I mean? Is it a, a sporadic thing? I mean, how, how how does he, you know, step into that that kind of spotlight, so to speak, and, and does he become a go-to guy down the stretch? And with Hyatt, he's a guy who – there are times over the past two years where he gets the ball and I'm wincing because I'm like, oh, come on, don't try to do too much. <laughs> Yet when he plays within himself and kind of fits his role, and he's an awesome player. Yeah, and, and I think he, he does some things well. He can come off the bench and, and provide, you know, Pico with, with some energy. He can he can do some things on defense. I like how he, he, he does a, he gets a lot of hustle boards on defense. You know, he, he uses his strength to his advantage. And he's hitting some three-pointers this year. Pico has always talked about his ability to shoot from beyond the arc. And he's showing that this year. I mean, he's not going to light up the scoreboard every night, but um, he can come in and do some things for you. And, and that's really valuable, especially when you have a short bench like that. You know, you can bring a guy in like that, give guys a rest, and, and not rely on your starting five for the bulk of the minutes. Right. Well, let's get to the big news of the day. I guess everyone's still talking about the recruitment and the commitment of five-star Ace Bailey, uh, number six prospect of the 2024 class, five stars, highest-ranked commit in Rutgers history. Um, mm-hmm. Rutgers is now in a crazy location for that 2024 class, number three in the country, because they have Bailey and they have four-star Delquan Warren. Bobby, what do you know about Bailey, and what does this mean to the Rutgers program moving forward to get a five-star player? I mean, it's 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 ginormous. It's it's seismic. I called it. You know, it's. I mean, landing a player like that, a blue chip top player in the country, this guy could be a one and done NBA lottery pick. Uh, this just didn't happen in the past at Rutgers. I mean, you got to go back to the Hamidi Enjai to get the last draft pick. So. You know, it, I think it signifies Rutgers' arrival as one of the, you know, up-and-coming elite programs in the country. This isn't just like, oh, Peichel had, you know, some under-the-radar prospects who he developed and they had a few good seasons. This is, you, you look at Ace Bailey, uh, uh, you know, Bayna DeGongo, um, you look at Warren, Gavin Griffiths. I mean, this is a team that could be playing in the Final Four, like, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, you still have Dylan Harper on the board. I mean, the possibilities. I mean, uh, a lot of fans have always wished and hoped for this. Now that it's coming to fruition, I mean, there's just waves and waves of excitement. Uh, it's just, um, it's huge. Talk to me about him on the court. What did you notice when you watch his highlights? Uh, he's a smooth player. I mean, at six ten, he plays like a guard and is strong like a forward. Uh, he can block shots. He can shoot the ball. He can take you to the rim with ease. Plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean. He's just a complete package, and, and there's a reason why he's rated so highly. You can just do everything, and, and it's something that we haven't seen on the Rutgers roster. I mean, it, it, it should be really exciting for fans because 
I mean, this guy can do everything. I mean, he's going to be the guy that they talk about as as the league's potential top player. I mean, he has that potential. I'm not saying it's it's going to happen, but I mean, you you know, Rutgers has never had that as far as as long as I've been covering the team. Well, uh, let's just add a little bit more context here. Brandon Jenkins at 24/7 saw him earlier in the season. This is what he had to say: "Quote, the biggest takeaway from watching him play was his natural gifts at six foot nine." With his perimeter skill set, size, and length, Bailey fits the mold of the modern game with his ability to excel at either forward spot. He has the upside to be college-ready scoring option. will step onto campus as a high draft, excuse me, as a draft prospect with a high long-term ceiling, end quote. So right in line with what you were saying. It's a guy who can do it all. Yeah, and, I mean, when when we found out he committed, it was kind of like, you know, your eyes just widened and said, wow, I mean, this is, this this program is really arriving. Yeah, and I, I'm going to have to eat my words because I went to see Dylan Harper play a couple times in recent weeks, and as much as it was fun to watch him play and he, and he played well, um, you know, I found myself saying there's no way they can get this kid because they're not going to be able to compete with the NIL money out there. And then Rutgers goes in and reels in, uh, you know, a guy just as highly rated, another five-star player, and um, – so obviously something's going on behind the scenes here. You know, obviously these players feel comfortable that Rutgers is able to support them in many ways, and that the NIL money, which unfortunately they all care about, so you can't. There's not a kid out there who's gonna say I don't care about NIL money, with perhaps the exception of Gavin Griffiths. We hear, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's incredible to think that this recruiting class for 2024 might not be done yet, and uh, if they do do that. Uh, that would be a definite top 10 recruiting class. I looked up uh, the past few years, kind of like if you had two five-stars and a four-star, where would that put you? And that would always put you within the top 10. So that's territory. Once again, Rutgers has never even sniffed since we've been paying attention. No, and, I mean, right now they're number three behind only Baylor and North Carolina. That's a pretty good company. And, and, you know, people have always said the potential for Rutgers is there. The rack could be a – a, a terrorizing place to play, and it's coming to it's coming to pass. I mean, and you have to you have to look at Pykele and say, you know, job well done. He just continues to get better and better. Right, and you know that Delquan Warren is super fast, defensive minded point guard. Actually, he can do it all on there. Mm-hmm. So that will be an exciting class right there. And then let's not forget the 2023 class because you have Gavin Griffiths. Bay Nadongo and Jermichael Davis. Jermichael is kind of like the um, uh, the question mark of the group, just in that he isn't as well known nationally. Um, but he's uh, he plays with Ace Bailey, so they know each other. Um, you know, he jumped on first. Ace jumped on later. And I asked Ace about him the other day, just so he could give a little you know b- background into what Rutgers is getting in Davis. And this is what uh, Bailey said: "Quote, he's a great player. We've been playing together with each other since we were little." since we were four, actually. It's great playing with him. We've developed our game together. He can do it all. He can see the court. He can rebound. He plays aggressive, and he can play defense. He's an athletic point guard with a very high IQ, end quote. 6-2. So it sounds like uh, an intriguing little prospect there. Yeah, and, and I guess it didn't hurt to get his commitment, you know, in, in recruiting Bailey either. I mean, Michael's no dummy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, there's the two other guys who are more well-known. We'll start off with Gavin Griffith, 6'7", 185-pound small forward, number 34 nationally, four stars. Now, this was the, the big news of recent weeks. was getting, you know, months was getting Griffith, and still huge news. Um, I saw him play when uh, his team played at the Rack just a few weeks back, 
and he's a super interesting player. Um, not much to look at when you first see him, uh, super thin. Um, but then he starts playing. I mean, the kid doesn't miss. Every time he threw up the ball, you're like, oh, automatic. He's swished more balls that night. I think he scored 37 points. Might have had like 14 rebounds. He had some assists. Um, you know, he plays defense. He puts a lot of effort into it. I don't think it's it's natural for him yet. He's going to have to learn under Pike a little bit. He's got to get a little bit stronger. But um, holy moly, I, I, I could see a scenario. I mean, if Cam Spencer, Cam Spencer should be coming back next year. If you have Cam Spencer and you have Griffiths on the floor at the same time next year, I mean, who do you guard? Mm-hmm. But and another thing we've not seen at Rutgers, you know, shooters that that they'll just pop from three. Um, it's always been a problem. Even when Michael first started, took over, you know, it was a problem getting those consistent uh, shooters from beyond the arc and loading up with a couple of them. It, it's just going to be an exciting future for the program, for the fans, for everyone involved. Yeah, then they have Faden Adongo. Not many people knew about him outside of you know, a few fan bases who were whose teams were recruiting him. This guy's six foot ten, two hundred and twenty pound power forward, number one seventy eight nationally, three stars. Um I watched him play, you watched him play. What do you think of this guy? He's another big athletic guy. I mean, um you can get to the rim, he shoot from beyond, he's he's physical, um, you know, not as smooth as Bailey, but I mean has similar traits and characteristics. So, probably see him playing a you know more of a power forward type but a guy who can play that that you know that stretch forward kind of that can go out and hit from outside and and, and really be a weapon on offense he he's a guy that really i, I see a high motor and i i think he's a play goal guy and that you could see that, that the intensity and, and a guy that could really progress under him develop especially defensively and uh, I, I think there's just a lot of upside with him really impressed with his uh with his film as well yeah, like Delquan Warren, when Benadongo's interviewed, he talks all about his defense. And so those are two guys who fit, like you said, into that Pico mold. Mm-hmm. I watched some highlights, and two instances, he stole the ball on the opposite end of the court, dribbled the entire length of the court, and scored. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself as, as I'm watching, I'm going, if this guy is really six foot ten, I mean that's very uncommon. You'll see like you know six 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 seven guys mm-hmm. do that from time to time, but at six foot ten, I mean that's that's pretty unheard of. And you're you're talking about getting multiple guys with that skill set. I mean, Pico likes to you know he likes to have those long ranging length guys, and uh, there's more of them there now. These guys can not just you know these guys bring a, a high offensive game as well. And if he can instill some defense in there, I mean, look out. Yeah, and you know I think we probably should mention right now the whole NIL situation because uh, I said before I'm not sure how Rutgers was reeling in a five-star guy this week, given that we know that they're a bit behind in NIL from other programs. At least that's been the word that's reached me. And mm-hmm. I, I know they've made some big strides in week, recent weeks, and they're going to make some more. But, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to get involved, there's an organization called Knights of the Raritan. If you haven't heard about them, look them up. I believe it's knightsoftheraritan.com. And that's how you as a regular person out there or your or company organization can get involved and support these Rutgers players through NIL. Um, you can't give the money directly to a recruit, but once they come on board, um, Knights of the Raritan finds different ways for these players to receive the money. I'm not an expert on it, so I don't want to speak too much, but I know a lot of people ask us how they can get involved and help contribute to the future of the program, and that's what you got to do. And so with that said, Bobby, this whole new recruiting landscape, 
name, image, yeah, name, image, and likeness, all that money that's kind of being funneled into the players' hands these days. How do you see that affecting Rutgers? Is it, is it helping? Is it hurting? And where do you see it going from here? I mean, with the commitment of Bailey, it's it's got to be helping. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, th- th- this is this is a whole new uncharted area and territory, and Rutgers is just really rolling when it comes to recruiting. You're not looking at Pike just relying on these under the radar kids. He's getting nationally ranked, top ranked kids. Um, Jake, get Dylan Harper in the fold. Look out! So I think it's working to their advantage. Um, as we've seen, number three recruiting class in the nation, you know, they're, they're doing something right. Yeah, I think it's going to be a net positive because Rutgers was at an extreme disadvantage in years past because, you know, back in the days of the bag man, which we hope are over, I'm sure that we'll still be around to some degree, Rutgers was never participating in that. I heard there was one coach in the not-so-distant past who might have dabbled in that a little bit or people, <laughs> whatever, but, you know, <laughs> By and large, if you go through the entire time that we've been alive, there hasn't been much going on in the way of paying players, not much going in schmoozing AU coaches. And you know how influential AU coaches have been. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that was the world that Steve Peichel had to operate in, it's very difficult. There were players that he couldn't even look at because you just knew they, had a, they came with a price tag. And now if these organizations like Knights of the Raritan take off, and I'm sure there's other things going on too. Because look, look at anybody can go. If you have a business, you can go hire one of these players on the Rutgers team to be your spokesperson, um, or you know, run a camp or something like that. Um, these are all legal ways to contribute. They're legal ways to to help the program. And uh, Rutgers and its fan base is all about doing things the right way. So I think it's it's a, it's a a big positive. And I think that if the fan base embraces all these opportunities, um there'll be a lot more talk about guys like Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey and other top players. And, and, you know, it shouldn't be discounted, too, that when these players visit for a game, I don't think they experience many atmospheres like what it's like inside Jersey Mike's Arena. I mean, that that game last night was just – the crowd thundered all game long. And, you know, every time that Ohio State looked like they might, you know, take a lead and or start a run, that, that crowd got into it and, and – it, it enlivened the players. It, it's just it's something different that's going on there inside that building. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I mean, just think about how different it is for Greg Schiano right now. Greg Schiano is trying to sell his program to recruits, and obviously the team wasn't winning so much over the past couple seasons. The stadium wasn't packed. It wasn't very loud. It, he has to sell a vision of what the program can be, whereas Pykel is selling what the program is right now. Well, it, to be fair, though, Pykel had to do that when he when he came in and took over, and it wasn't an overnight process. Yeah. Well, hey, Bobby, thank you so much for all your time today. Um, looking forward to watching this team grow and progress over the next few games, see how things shake out. I appreciate your coverage and look forward to hearing more from you on the roundtable. Thanks. I appreciate it, Jeff. Take care, everyone.